Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Recruiting Animal here on October 31st, Halloween 2018. I just want to tell you that we had a chat the other day on Facebook yesterday about recruiters speaking their minds about politics and public issues on social media. And I want to remind everybody that in the past, you weren't allowed to speak your mind. You got into big trouble if you did. And there's still plenty of places in the world where that's still true but by some miracle there are societies today in which people can speak their minds without fear and we're lucky to live in one of them and you know that's important because people i know i'm telling you basic stuff but it has to be said because people learn by speaking with each other someone says something wrong and you show him why it's wrong And in doing so, you're forced to sharpen your own thinking and maybe discover that you're wrong, okay? But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems if you speak out. Just because you're doing something so righteous and elevated, you might lose business or have trouble if you're in your career. If you uh, say something and someone you deal with regularly doesn't like what you say. But that doesn't mean in principle, that talking about controversial issues is wrong and that you're stupid and that you should be embarrassed in any way. No, you shouldn't. And I'll admit that we'll jump all over you here if we don't like what you say. And in fact, today's guest got all kinds of flack from the callers last time. He was here just a few months ago, but he's back again today. And you know why? Because we like cognitive diversity. Yes! I'm Jerry Jerry! What show is this? The Recruiting Animal Show! What has happened to you? What happened? I started the music early just because you're always complaining that I wait too long and you didn't yeah, even so make I, it through. I, I, stopped, I stopped my shout earlier. Last week you told me it was too much. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was I too think much we're last week. This one, it sounded like you were on your deathbed. I'm not paying you for that. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. Yes, you are. <laughs> we'll discuss it later. Off what the we show. Doing again? I wanna, you want another one? I want the recruiting animal. Yeah! Oh, you guys have the music? No, no, you're not hitting the high notes today. we got to move on, okay? People are always I had band practice last night. It wore me out. Yeah. We learned a Bon okay. Jovi tune, and it's, it's a tough, yeah, tough it's a great idea. You weren't, you, weren't, you weren't hitting the high notes. If you were an opera singer, you'd be in bad trouble today. Okay, I want to thank my sponsors, Hone It, H-O-N-E. IT, the online interview technology, Hire Tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L, the super-duper sourcing tool, and PC Recruiter. You know what that is, Jerry? The Swiss Army knife of recruiting software. Okay, and before I bring on Tom Shamoro, the guest for today, he's wait, waiting patiently in the green room. Tom Shamoro, pre-music. Shamoro. He's got a fancy name. He's got a fancy Love name. It. Okay, look at the look at the listing. Okay, I, I'll say it in a second. I, I, I don't have time something. to get on Facebook during the business day. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> I want to say something before I introduce the guest. I went to dinner last night with the speakers at the Sourcing Summit. There was Ooh. a conference here, and I realized that people like you and me live in a bubble. 
There was a few people there who already knew me. Half the people, they never heard of the show. They never heard of our Facebook groups. In the big, wide world out there, we're nothing special. We're, we're nobodies. And I, I'm only concerned that the sponsors are going to find that out Uh-oh. someday. But that, that means we're Facebook good. You could, no, no. I, the guest today is going to argue that humility is uh, a really good thing, and uh, not too many uh, men have it. So if yeah, we learn our I'm lesson, I'm as humble as you can get, and I tell everybody. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're going to see that in a minute. Okay, okay. Thomas T O M A S. I have to spell his name. Shamoro C H A M O R R O hyphen pre music P R P R E M U Z. I see. Yeah. Okay. His look. His his Twitter name is simple. D R T C P at D R T C P. Doctor T C P. DRTCP. Tom, welcome back to the show. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm a big fan of your articles. I think you're the best writer about uh, recruiting online right now, even if I don't always agree with you, right? It's just really interesting to read. Okay? Thanks for coming back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. I am in fancy costume today because it's Halloween. Yes, good. Uh, I didn't know you. In Argentina, do they have uh, Halloween? Well, no, but I adjust to uh, American okay, rituals and traditions. Good for you, yeah. <laughs> very, okay, very what about, smooth, yes. What about this last name, Shamoro Pre-Music? How do you get something like that? I mean, that must be a hassle in, in the United States. <laughs> I, well, I love the way you pronounce it. It almost sounds French, which is elevating it. But uh, I'm from Argentina. The first part of the name is Spanish. The second part is from Croatia, where my mom was born. Oh, okay. And so you use your mother's last name at the at the end? Yes, yes. It's quite common in Spain, less common in Argentina. I think my parents just knew they were going to get divorced when I was born, so they planned for it in advance. And my mom pushed imposed her name into into the whole kind of configuration. Okay, and it's got nothing to do with music like instruments. It's just it does not. It would be nicer. And I remember 10 years ago, so when I was doing research into musical preferences, some people accused me of, of making up the name uh, just oh. to get more notoriety. Actually, what it means, pre-music, pervi mužić, means the first husband, which I'm not either, but that's what it means. Perzi, how do you say it? Like one more time, just we'll go, we'll finish Prem, with this, everybody. The, the, how do the, you say it? The pronunciation is Premužić, and it means it's short for Pervi Mužić, which is the first okay. husband. Premužić. Okay, now you now I know how to say your name, and people even have a harder time spelling it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this guy's the chief talent scientist at the Manpower Group. What is the Manpower Group? Uh, it's a global recruitment business mostly but it goes beyond that and we provide all sort of services in the human capital or workforce solution space but mostly 90 percent of our business is putting people to work so we're a recruitment staffing business okay you know and it's good that you're here on halloween because you sound a bit like dracula you know okay and uh well your I, motto you, didn't is... ask me, you didn't you didn't ask me what i'm dressed as which was the punchline okay, go of ahead, my joke help. yeah i'm not that curious well, go ahead uh, I, I'm i not thought that i'd open. pick something uh, i thought i'd pick some i picked something really scary for you guys so i'm dressed as data which i know you fear haha <laughs> <laughs> data uh, like data from from star trek yeah these guys are no, really funny they, isn't he the data as in science, or if you prefer, an assessment. Ooh. Okay. Okay, yeah. Well, you've got a motto that I'm going to mention that I like. I use science and tech to predict human performance. That's nice, and that's a, it's, it's the best tagline that I've come across. Okay. Thank you. It took me many, to, many weeks, many weeks to come up with that, so I'm glad it's appreciated. Great one, yeah. Okay, so your big thing... His big thing, yeah. Okay, Jerry, stop reading. I'm going to get to the. Jerry's already criticizing me. Oh, for it! To talk. it wasn't me, dude. Jerry, okay, is very no, you were crit- before the show. So, Mom, how you doing? Tom, Tom, Tom believes that uh, men are crappy leaders and women are good leaders. I, 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 I'm stating it bluntly. He's going to deny that. But that's what he believes, and I'll quote him. He says, "We have a natural tendency to elect self-centered." overconfident, narcissistic people as leaders, and these characteristics appear more often in men than women. Am I right? That's what you believe. Correct. Why? 
Well, if you look at the, I, th I guess there are two data points that uh, support that statement. The first is that the majority of leaders are pretty incompetent, whether you look at politicians or business leaders, the bar is really very low. Um, we also know that in the majority of cases, those, those leaders are males. So, you know, typically we assume that leadership is something good, aspirational, desirable, and uh, that it's linked to success. But if you actually evaluate the performance of the leaders, it's mostly pretty dismal. And then the second point is that if you look at the qualities that actually make people lead effectively, things like humility, self-awareness, modesty, uh, emotional intelligence, empathy, and competence, uh, women have a slight advantage um, compared to men on those traits. So I think you know, we prefer incompetent leaders to competent leaders, and we prefer males to females in general. Whether people okay. choose leaders democratically or just sit and wait, this is what seems to be happening in, in most spheres of life. Okay, so you seem to say uh, that, okay, if you gave an example, you, you also said that uh, a lot of the te uh, what we look for, the characteristics we look for in a leadership or that are mythologically uh, the signs of good leadership are actually signs of personality disorders. Am I right about that? Well, I think that the, the, the characteristics we should look for are very different from personality disorders. They are uh, positive pro-social traits that make leadership a resource for the group or the organization. Yeah, but you, but you made the, the, Steve the Jobs. That we you ma I read for. your article. Yeah. Let me interrupt you. You know, people are always mad now that I interrupt people. But you said you made Steve Jobs sound like a mental case. Richard Branson. You didn't. Ma I don't know if you mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, I can't remember. Is, was Steve Jobs a good leader in your opinion? I think Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, um, Richard Branson, and the, the type of leaders that um, we are fascinated by do have a lot of uh, uh, antisocial and even psychopathological tendencies. The problem is, well, it's not a problem, it's, it's, it's actually a good thing for them and for society that these bad traits or bad features also coexist with incredible amounts of talent, creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship, whereas most of the people who are as obnoxious or antisocial as these characters are actually pretty talentless. And guess what? These are the people that most individuals or employees have as bosses. You know, they have the bad side of Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and Richard Branson, to name just a few, without the benefits, without the strengths or the talents. Okay, and and uh, you also said I think that most people are uh, insecure, and or I think you're referring to Freud that with that so they're attracted to somebody who is overconfident, who can give them that sense of certainty about the future. Is that why people want to see that overconfident people? I think uh, the, yeah, and 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 I did say that, but I think uh, a clearer or more sensible explanation is that some individuals are unaware of their limitations, and although that should be a problem for them, for their careers, and it should actually stop them from becoming leaders, ironically or paradoxically, when you are unaware of your limitations and you think you're better than you actually are, you are more able to fool others into thinking that you're good which is how people who are overconfident and not very talented manage to deceive others. It's always easier to deceive other people if you have already deceived or fooled yourselves. So uh, this is, I think, what happens fundamentally, and that's why so many leaders are incompetent, because they have managed to fool us or others into thinking that they're talented when, in fact, they're not. Why? because they have no self-awareness and they're unjustifiably pleased with themselves. Okay. Man, this guy is good. Yeah. Okay, well, what, that sounds like you'd be... This guy is strong. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and, and take notes. Animal, uh, anybody, help me out for the rest of the show. I'm, I'm just I'll listening. A few more things. Any, anybody's like welcome to, to jump... 
So it's not that ignorance is bliss, it's that ignorance is a way to success. Got it. That, exactly. That, that, yeah. I think it, it's a I, way I'm to I'm on my way to the top. I, this is making it's me feel great. great. It's a, it's a way to success for those individuals, but it's a problem for society. It's a problem for organizations. It's a problem for, for teams. And, and this is where I think the gender issue becomes relevant and interesting, that we don't tolerate displays of overconfidence and hubris in women when women seem uh, arrogant, too bold, or hubristic, or, or overly cocky. Uh, we don't accept that, but when it's men, then we just fall in love with them. And so the solution is not actually to, um, you know, be deceived or fooled by women who are more confident than they should be uh, or less competent than they think they are, but actually to apply the same criteria and the same standard when it comes to vetting or judging men. And then we will end up with fewer. But how do you know that we don't? Imp- uh, hold on, this thing about women that we you know if they if they act assertive, we don't like them. I I don't think that's Correct. true. Do you have any proof? Do you have any support of that? It so is. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, um, social psychological studies that look at how men and women are perceived um, when they uh, behave in more or less confident ways. And typically when men behave in very assertive, dominant, confident ways, which you can do just showing people videos of actors or real people, uh, but the key is that these these uh, targets that people are evaluating are unfamiliar, so not people that you already know and have been exposed to. When they're men and they behave in assertive ways, people say, oh, they are charismatic, they're leader-like, uh, I would trust this person. Whoa, they're very competent. And when the same behaviors are displayed by women, um, the women are uh, labeled, you know, um, bulldozers, um, cocky, arrogant, uh, overconfident, and so forth. Um, and by the way, this this actually also creates a problem for men. Because when men display some of the characteristics that we should look for in leaders, humility, um, self-criticism, empathy, warmth, and being other-oriented, not self-centered, they're often dismissed as weak. So the same pathological criteria that are put in place to select leaders that are not the ones we should actually have, uh, harm. Okay, hold on. Wait a second. Hey, Animal, quick, uh, quick technical point of reference. You need to uh, open up area code 626, would you? Okay. Uh, just, so, just, so, uh, just so Tom knows, I, well, I won't mention the name because i got a personal Come message here. Please. But somebody, on, we know, somebody we know says, I'm listening, and I'm a great leader, and I'm nuts. I think he may have felt good when, uh, when, when uh, Tom said that mm-hmm. a lot of these leaders are, are, are you know, Mentally ill. <laughs> Mentally ill. Everybody. So area six two six two six is open. Everybody's open, Jerry. Okay. Don't scroll. Don't okay. Scroll. Thanks. Who, who who is area code six two six? You want to say something so bad you had to sick Jerry on me? Who is it? I didn't try to sick Jerry on you, animal. It was just I was on the other line, and I know you don't like it when I'm on a cell phone. So I'm hey, I'm just apologizing. It's Alan. That's Alan. Doesn't even sound like him. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, let me do a survey. Let me, Jerry. Jerry, do you feel that you're biased against uh, confident women? Do you, do you do they turn you off? I've I don't never, think they I've turn me off. I've never met one, so I wouldn't know. Oh yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh my God! I can't believe I said that. No, no, no. I, I, I like, I like confident business women. Yeah. I, I, I work with them, and yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not yeah, bummed out by it or disappointed or. Yeah, no. yeah, okay. Yeah. Michael G. Cox. Michael G. Cox, do you, do you like meek uh, women that make you feel like a real man, or do you like people who are equal? He's sleeping. Okay, what about Alan, now that you forced hey, I, me to open I'd your... I'd like to weigh in on this. Go ahead. Who is I it? Think this, is, this is TJ. TJ Kastning. Oh, hi, TJ. Go, go ahead. Hey, so, so Thomas seems to be setting up a little bit of a straw man about taking all these pot shots at men and I won't deny that in some general sense some of these things can be true but uh, ultimately this does seem like a like an awfully broad brush to be painting with 
And I'd like to know how these specific criticisms of an entire gender work out in his recruiting practice. Well, he's not a yeah, hands-on well, recruiter, and, 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 but go ahead. You could address that if you can, Tom. Well, well, you know, I mean, I think it's a very good question. And and it's not – I'm not trying to make um, a general rule or I'm not making statements that apply to every individual of the male class. Um, you know, the question was posed in a very um, kind of a clear-cut way. Uh, are women better? But really what we have here is sig differences that are statistically significant. On average, on average, and it might just be, you know, a very minor difference, but it's still significant. On average, if you look at mm -hmm. how women perform uh, on uh, things such as, you know, test of emotional intelligence, empathy, modesty, self-awareness, uh, on average, they have a slight advantage, and it might be that in, you know if if the equal would mean 50-50, uh, what you just implied is that 100% of the time they're better. No, it might be that it's 60 or 65% of the time women outperform mm -hmm. men. But this 10 or 15% um, of advantage does scale and and explain a lot of the differences that we actually perceive or measure when it comes to leadership effectiveness. Then to your other, so hand, other point, I think it's more important. Go yeah, ahead. So, oh, let me just say, somebody's, I don't know if it's Alan, but somebody's on a bad line and they're adding a lot of static to the, uh, to the show. Maybe they could put themselves on mute. Seems better now. There. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The I other just one, want to the say other one something else. Wait a second. I'll, just, I'll let you come back. Daryl right, Disco is on Twitter. The guy listens to the show once in a blue moon now, and he has to take a back. He says, I must feel nostalgic. I, I'm listening to the show. Like it's not worth listening to anymore. It's worth listening to, okay? Don't, don't do that to me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, TJ. TJ, well, we've got TJ now. TJ's a new T. Never been on the show before, right? We don't need you old listeners. Go ahead, please. Yeah, the, 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 well, the, the, second, the second part of the question, I think, is more important, how it affects or how this finding, let's say that on average women are better or have more potential for leadership, how it affects um, a recruitment strategy or recruitment uh, practice. Um, personally, I think it shouldn't. You should, you should not use any group uh, uh, categories uh, to decide uh, whether somebody should be placed in a job or has potential for a job, you need to work at the individual level. Um, so actually, it's understanding the potential, the history, uh, the past performance, the qualities and the traits that an individual has uh, that uh, determines whether you think that person has potential or not for a job. Uh, and actually, mm -hmm. if you can be blind uh, to their gender, then better. But the problem is that more often than not, the methods that we use, such as face-to-face -face interview or interviews in general, put gender in front of all these qualities that actually matter more. It's a bit like saying height is an important driver of job performance, so uh, I will look for the tallest candidate. Uh, as opposed to saying I will automatically select men because on average men are taller than women. You have let to me ask you, focus let me ask, on the trait that matters. Okay, let me ask a question. It sounds to me, though, like before I forget, I forget things. That's why I have to interrupt. The, it sounds like these qualities that you've said um, are the, the ones that attract us in leaders, that they might be rooted in our, our actually evolution in our brain, that these guys are the men are going to be the fighters for the tribe. And we want somebody who seems confident as, as a fighter. Uh, is that possible that it's, that, and it's going to take culture to overcome a natural impulse to like, uh, you know, braggarts or, or whatever, whatever these guys yeah. are? Yes, although I should note that it hasn't always been that way. In, in even earlier um, versions of human societies and uh, 
uh, when you know the kind of larger uh, cities or nations were led by these strong alpha males that you described, and even earlier and smaller versions of civilization societies, um, we lived in very egalitarian groups that were actually often ruled or led by women. So to your point, yes, culture uh, can lead to cyclical changes in uh, the perceptions that people have within a system or society as to what leadership talent or leadership competence means. No, I would means. say that it's not, not rooted at, in culture. At any, given, at any given point in time, today, for example, uh, the stereotype or the archetype that people have of an ideal leader will be different, for example, in uh, in the East and in the West, uh, or in even North America compared to uh, Britain. And these are societies sure. or systems that are very, very are similar, right? and That's yet yeah, the degree to which you show off or you self-deprecate, the degree to which you show strength or uh, self-criticism varies uh, from one system to the other. And actually, the degree to which we look for one thing or the other uh, as, a, as a sign or signal of leadership varies uh, uh, it, during the same phase or process of time from one culture to the other. Hold on a second. What about all these political leaders like Stalin and Mao, uh, you know, one's from Russia, one from China? It's the same, it's the same cultish, uh, you know, kind of uh, pattern. That's what people want, it seems, anywhere. No, that's, that's leadership by fear and execution. Uh, yeah, Maybe. And, and I think in the in, in the grand in the in, in in the grand scheme of things, you are picking people who are part of a very condensed and narrow slice of human history. You know, Look at your country happen, with authoritarianism. Look at your country, Argentina. I mean, uh, that's also same same, same process in time. You know, you're you're picking 50 years uh, of human history. Uh, when, in fact, you know, the, at least the total length that you should be considering is at least 10,000 years, but actually probably if you really want to go back to our evolutionary beginnings, more like 200,000 years. And these 50 years is a very it's, – it's a split second in the history of uh, mankind or evolution. Okay, but what about – okay, also this uh, – this this image of the leader, the overconfident person that you say, we want someone who eats his own dog food. That's what impresses us. I think that would make a good recruiter yeah. as well. You call somebody up, you're excited, you've actually convinced yourself that whatever job you're promoting is fantastic, and you convey that to the uh, potential candidate. Is, that, is it true that's going to be a good recruiter? Would you agree with Look, that? I, 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 I would kind of uh, change the scenario slightly and say you know the least controversial thing in the world which is that i think in any field of performance including recruitment it is better to have somebody competent than somebody incompetent right here we agree oh yeah i don't understand yeah, what you said course. but i have to do an ad <laughs> sure. does anybody have no, some questions yeah i mean but that, i think that's what uh, I'm then, what, what, here, you, what does that mean here is a slightly controversial thing here is a slightly controversial thing maybe that sometimes we're actually not able to evaluate how competent people are, and that applies to recruiters as well. And then if these recruiters or individuals are confident, we're more likely to fall for them and believe that they are talented or competent, even if they're not. And then we pay the price later when we fall for somebody who actually seems more competent than they actually are. Okay, so they'll pick the wrong people but they'll succeed in, in getting those people interested yeah. and selling them to the company. So all the sales aspect will work because of the confidence, exactly. but in fact, you're putting a round peg in a, a square yeah, hole. But, I, but I, I would argue that if we have two people who are equally competent, equally talented, I would personally even prefer the one who is underconfident and not overconfident because that person will be more likely to question themselves um, you know, not get complacent, uh, be open to other people's perspective, um, not be the center of attention all the time, not be, I mean, the risk of uh, being deceived, deluded and making mistakes will be lower in that individual. Of course, I fully admit that from a sales, selling, branding, impressing others perspective, the person who is overconfident will succeed more. All I'm saying is, well, 
it shouldn't necessarily be that way if we were able to identify how, how competent and talented they are and the two individuals are the same. Okay. okay. Do run, run your ad, Animal, and then well, I've got another question to line up for this guy. Okay, but hold on. we got to, TJ, I'm, I'm glad you're here, but i got to let somebody else ask questions as well. Let me do an ad first, though. They're cool. buying my coffee money, okay? Okay? And that's all they're paying for. They're not making me rich. I want everyone to know it, okay? Hone it. And i got to give money to Jerry, too. Hone it. H-O-N-E-I-T. You know what that is? It's phone interview technology. It records your interviews and turns the key questions and answers into separate audio clips to help hiring managers quickly hear the motivation, the personality, the enthusiasm that the recruiter just heard. Yeah, when you can share a story with a hiring manager in the candidate's own voice, it speaks volumes. You can't get that from a resume or a recruiter's report. So if you want to get a hiring manager excited about a great candidate, share some of the sizzle with Hone it, H-O-N-E-I-T. And look, if you like uh, reading better than listening, it automatically turns the interview into a searchable, readable transcript as well. Hone it, IT. Um, and boy, you know, after we've been criticizing people who have a lot of flair, I mean, are these, uh, I'll ask a question before we go to the group again. But so how do you assess the good the good CEO or, or the good manager? It sounds like, they're going to be unimpressive people. The unimpressive people are good. That, that was making Michael Cox feel good before the show. I posted that, and he said, this is going to be a show I like. It means I'm good because I'm going to don't seem good. What's the story there, Tom? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think there is a bit of that, that the best leaders in general are pretty boring. If you think about managers first, what do they need to do? Um, focus on their employees, understand them. Uh, know them well, provide them with uh, constructive, critical feedback on their performance, uh, manage their performance uh, as fairly as they can, uh, assign them to the right task. In essence, they have to spend more time thinking of other people, the people they manage, uh, than on themselves and, uh, you know, being the center of attention, being uh, colorful, uh, exotic, yeah, flamboyant. Yeah, but you said also in, another article, in another article, you said that extroverts are better at assessing people's personalities, right? Didn't you say that? They, yeah, they're but, better you know, people. That, that, that I is, don't agree. I guess they are. That, that, that is not so. I do. Not really a related I point, don't. I think. You know, there are, there are differences in how well people read others, um, but uh, the reality is that uh, your classic highly extroverted individual will be too busy wanting to be the center of attention all the time to focus on other people, whether they yeah, can Yeah, but you said those guys are better. Them. They're proven better better at assessing personality in others. Now you're walking back on that, right? No, 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 no. One, one thing is that they can. One thing is the ability to do something. The other thing is the tendency to do it. You know, even if they can, in um, in experimental situations, pick up clues from others better, most of the time they're too busy being the center of attention and showing off to actually care about others. Okay, that's a little too subtle for me, that you've got the ability, but you're not using it because your other inclinations. No, this, this happens all the time. A no, lot of people not. in any job have the ability, but then they don't have the inclination. This is why engagement and motivation are so critical, because the, the main problem that most managers and organizations have is how they can get people to perform to the best of their capabilities most of the time, and most of the time people are cruising. You know, it's only when they're put on the spot or when they're watched that they actually bother making their performance uh, uh, as strong as they possibly can. Okay, who was it? Alan, who's next? Alan, who was complaining there? Alan? Well, I think, I think, I think a lot of what he's talking about, if you want to take stereotypes, is kind of the bad boy thing. You know, why, why is it that stereotypically, you know, girls go for the bad boy because because he's more exciting and more interesting and more extroverted, and then after a couple of years, they, they end up marrying the quieter, duller, responsible, nice guy who's kind of like the, the good father. And regarding introverts oh, or extroverts, I think, both, I, I think both can be, introverts and extroverts, I think can both be 
good at reading people. And as far as leaders go, it's also what the what the marketplace wants to hear is what will get promoted. Where if you've got the dull, boring guys that are running good companies, staying under the radar isn't attractive to Wall Street, who wants to see the flashy Elon Musk so they can pump up the IPO value so they can go make more. It's a greed issue, and it's their market issue. So I love companies where the people are quiet and they're just very successful. And back to another point, some of my best relationships were with women and with men, but, you know, women were on balance a little more open to the conversation, a back and forth, and not just looking at it and saying, well, Michael G. Cox said this, and I don't like the Raiders, so whatever else he says is wrong. Okay, so, okay, so, fine, so you're agreeing with Tom 100%, okay? I don't know why you're no, I think I think, I think I, I think I think we, we, we mostly agree. I don't know if it's 100%, but it's, it's certainly very uh, high. Uh, just, just to make my point or try to make my point um, clearly here, all I'm saying is, that, is two things. First, that on average, leaders perform better when they are more competent, when they have better people skills, when they are more self-aware, when they are more humble, and when they are more coachable. And what I'm also saying is that there seems to be a disproportionate focus uh, on leaders that resemble you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, and that that actually uh, enhances or fuels uh, very pathological stereotypes uh, that suggest to people that leaders actually have to be like that, that they have to be reckless risk takers, super confident, very bold, uh, entertaining. Um, look, and, and the same applies uh, to some degree to politics. I think for the last 20 U.S. elections or so, the best predictor of who wins is which candidate would you want to have a beer with? And the reality is that that's not a very relevant marker of presidential or leadership competence. It's something that people think matters when in fact it doesn't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good point. Good job. Hold on. Michael G. Cox, your line's open. Okay. Do you want to say something? I asked for you a few minutes ago. Michael G. Cox, here's your, here's your moment in the sun. Are you going to take it or not? And if you don't, you're a no good leader. Okay. Or maybe that means you're a good leader. Yeah, he's quiet. He's listening. Yeah, okay. So somebody, did somebody else want to say something before I move on? Because I have another important topic. Okay. Anybody? I'll, I'll ask a question. Go ahead. Is it Thomas or Tomas? Uh, Tomas, but I'm, you know, I'm, Tomas. I'm whatever you prefer. Okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, okay, so, so I understand your point. Agreed. I've said the same thing about presidents before. However, how – so this is a big abstract theory – concept how does this affect your recruiting business i think it, it maybe there are two main implications and and um i think the first one is that um in general uh de-emphasizing the importance of charisma confidence or these things that in short-term interactions make us uh, want to hire someone or be impressed by someone and paying more attention to uh, substance data on a candidate's potential or performance. So really it's really it's de-emphasizing or trying to um, Cut the BS. decrease the importance of charisma, I mm-hmm. think would lead to better recruitment. That's the first so one. Are you doing that with assessments, metrics? Well, yeah, you know, how are you I doing think that? In, I think in general, the principle is, and that was the second one, is basically paying less attention to your own intuition or gut feeling and trying to look for objective, reliable, predictive indicators of a person's um, you know, future performance. Yes, assessments are, when well-designed, scientifically mm-hmm. validated assessments are a good vehicle for doing that, but they're not the only one. I think assessments are a vehicle to obtaining data that doesn't exist. So they're an artificial, standardized vehicle for yeah. gathering Hold on a data that doesn't no, no, exist. No lectures on there. So people, you know, I'm letting you talk like people want me to, but no lectures. You say in your articles, fast impressions are very good. It takes 30 seconds to make up our minds about someone's intelligence and personality, and we make other assessments even faster, and these evaluations are surprisingly accurate, right? 
Yeah, you know, yeah, but are trans- we dis- and we we discussed this last time. It's if you can aggregate uh, or look at average impressions of 10 or 15 raters, right? So even if they're looking at you for 30 seconds or a minute, or listeners, if you have listeners who never heard me speak or you speak before, and we crowdsource what they think about us, that would be a pretty good uh, data point of our reputation that predicts how we behave in the future. Uh, but uh, most of the time, the problem is that people just rely on their own individual opinion of you or something, and that's very subjective. That's not predictive. It sound, you know, in your article, it sounded like it is predictive, and that's when the, you said ex, extroverts are better judges of character, and you walked away from that as yeah, well. I think, I, I think you're, I, you're getting carried. You know, I appreciate your uh, loyal and, uh, and, and steady uh, readership, but you're getting fixated on a very trivial point here. It's not, it's not that, just, it's not okay, that just important. Just to defend the myself, I'll read a quote. The essence of, of EQ, okay? Um, uh, is being more agreeable, emotionally stable, and extroverted. And people with these characteristics tend to be better at examining other people's characters, perhaps because they're less focused on themselves. And and, and here, you you came on the show and you said these... Go ahead. First of all, now it makes more sense because it's not just extroversion. We're talking about EQ. And one of the characteristics is to be more outgoing, but it's being less self-centered and more agreeable that are making the big difference here. And look, I have no issues with the idea that some recruiters, because they have a lot of EQ, are going to be pretty good in their intuitive evaluations of others. The problem is that most people who think they have high EQ and that they are very intuitive are not, and they still follow their gut feeling. Okay, so I think in general, we would do better, to answer the question, to distrust manifestations of charisma, um, short-term kind of charm, etc., in the candidate, and secondly, distrust our own instincts and try to look for data points through either well-designed assessments or other things. I mean, a resume, past performance, uh, 360s. There are lots of potential signals of a person's um, potential for a job. Okay. Yeah, I, I think we're getting too hung up on everybody, the Everybody, i got to do an ad. I've got to do an ad, okay? We're almost, the show's almost over. Okay, there's a lot of recruiting software out there, everybody. And, you know, these HR people, they're supposed to be level-headed, like we just talked about, those guys with high EQ. But, no, they like every new shiny thing, okay? So they're always wanting to try something new. What you have to do to work with people like that is make it easy for them to switch uh, software. That's why they can switch from what they're using now to your own software. And that's something PC Recruiter does for you. PC Recruiter offers two types of data conversion. A data conversion is when you switch to another recruiting software. One of those versions is fast and simple. I think that's what most people like. The other is custom made for you. It depends on what kind of person you are, what kind of needs you have. Uh, If you also, I want to mention that I'm confused because I'm angry about that extrovert stuff. But if you uh, were using PC Recruiter and you said, oh, you listened to some other person and said, oh, this, this other software is better, it's simpler, you're going to be happy with it, and you went to that other software, and now you're missing some of the features that you used to love on Recruiter, you know, you didn't realize how great it was when you had it, don't be shy to come back. They, they like boomerang customers. They're not going to criticize you for leaving. They're just going to welcome you with open arms. So if you want to switch around, go ahead. If you want to come back, please do. PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. If you're a recruiter, PC Recruiter loves you. Okay, Tom, before the show's over, and I still have another ad to do, um, I want to talk about the – got lots of info that I'm not going to get to just like last time. But I want to talk about the testing because I got a lot of complaints. I got a lot of complaints. Are you falling asleep, Jerry? Is that your problem? Oh, sorry. I thought I had that on mute. No, this this is this is great. <laughs> you know what, Jerry? Sorry, I got to tell you, Tom. Jerry has a, a, a an impressive personality. He's a very lively guy. He's funny. You're saying that he's not the right kind of guy for people to hire. I mean, that's what it sounds like to. To me, I was thinking, just, does that mean Jerry's no good? I like Jerry. No, I, would, I would be a bad hire. No, yeah. what, okay. and, and what I'm saying is that if you focus too much on 
it, it, what I'm Maybe. saying is that if we focus too much on those qualities, we're going to pay the price. And furthermore, uh -huh. I'm saying that we have been focusing on such qualities for uh, many decades now, and the results are very clear. Most leaders are not very good. Yeah, but even, you know what, I'm going to go off, off tangent. But first of all, I want to tell you, Jerry plays, he's the singer in a rock band on the weekends. That's a bad sign, isn't it? If I saw that on his resume, uh, I'd say, oh, egomaniac, don't hire him. Is that true? No, I mean, I would say it's an irrelevant uh, signal here for if really? we're evaluating their, yeah, and because, I, you know, it, it, it tells you nothing about the, his uh, leadership potential. How do you not know that? Does. Pardon me? No, no, no. You didn't know that? No, yeah, I mean, okay, he it, does that. It, I, I, I'd say it means he's, he's uh, you know, uh, a histrionic type or, or whatever, lively, you know, too lively, too extroverted. But then uh, there are and, better ways of assessing those qualities than uh, okay. looking at... Okay, uh, we're going to talk about that. Tom, I'm going to cut you off. It might help. Cut you off. help the man, he's got a lot of bad pink noise going on here. Yeah, there's a lot of noise. If someone's in their car, yeah. they should mute themselves, okay? Ambient noise guess. going on here. I don't like I it. i got to guess people I are paying Alan. for mute. Alan's yeah. driving down the road with the cell phone I'm on re-muting. Knock it off. Speakerphone. Okay. Hey, let me, let me just get to this before the show's done. Last time, Tom said he had, puts a lot of confidence into uh, personality assessments that TJ mentioned. People got mad because we wouldn't name any of them, but in a tweet, he did name three. And he told us the reason for his uh, hesitation, but he said there's tests and there's tests. There's some tests that are, are proven to, uh, to work well. Tom, can you t t tell me about that? Like, how do they assess? Yeah, okay. um, so, you know, so, yeah, I, I think the main point I'm trying to make here is that um, there are criteria for evaluating whether a test works or not and how well it works. And typically, it's as simple as this, is has that instrument, that tool, been used in high-stake situations where people take it because they are motivated to get a job and they have every incentive to lie, deceive, and portray themselves in an unrealistically positive way? And, and yet... Even in those circumstances, their scores are correlated with their future job performance. Um, and then to what degree do they correlate with their future job performance? Um, so if the tests predict future job performance, they work. And there's a final point that is important is where is that data published? Is it just published in the commercial vendor um, white papers or marketing materials of the vendors, or is it published in reputable, independent, academic, peer-reviewed scientific journals? So all I would say is that these are, in my view, the most objective and reliable parameters to evaluate whether a tool works or how well a tool works. And I think Part of the debate that we had last time um, is based on the fact that 90 or 95 percent of the tools that are out there are very bad, and they make the science of personality assessment a discredit. Okay, so when the recruiters complain to you that their experiences with uh, these personality assessment tools were no good, they, they were being honest and they were being correct, because you also said in this tweet, you said the majority of these tests have zero or BS numbers behind them, so they're yeah. not... Okay, so and, but and I then think, you, you know that that is something that applies to every, every, every category of products out there. You know, I think the majority of uh, um, uh, you know the the, the 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 typical or average coffee that people consume is not very good. The typical beer that people consume is not very good. The typical restaurant orange juice, etc. The typical music that people listen to is not very good. And yet, you know, these things are popular. Can, okay. Can, so you know, you, there's a lot of problems that you've brought up, and and I think we we get it, right? Um, what I'm really interested in hearing is like, what are the practical steps that you take in a company to yeah. make your selection process better? Okay, yeah. well, hold on one but, sec. I got. I want to. He, he offered. He actually offered three names of of companies, and I want people yeah. to know what they are. Hogan Assessments. You used to be the CEO there, am I right? Yeah. Correct. Okay, so no, so you know the company. I, I, you're biased. Okay, fine, but that's one that you say is proven good. The other one is Neo, N-E-O, 
And the yeah, third that's the one name is, of the actual tool. That's the name of the actual tool, Neo FFI or Neo PR. And the third one is IPIP, which is a free version of that. The three are based on the same model, which is there's five major personality dimensions that range from, you know, zero to 100. And they have thousands of independent peer-reviewed academic studies behind them to back them up. And which is why I highlight them. Compared to these three tools, the others have either uh, very dubious statistics or very limited amount of data in their support. Okay. So now we'll go to, uh, I guess it's TJ again, his question. How can we use your let – me, let, me, let me pose the question. Yeah. How can we use this knowledge uh, that you've given us today uh, in, in – recruiting CEOs or, 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 or some kind of leadership roles. And, and uh, you've given a, a general, you know, stay away from flashy people, or if they, even if they're flashy, like Jerry, uh, you know, add some breadth to that. Don't just take, you know, focus on, on one impressive thing about them. Look at a wide range of, of, yeah. uh, of qualities. Is that your, is that your answer, or is there something, like, are there questions that we should use in interviews? Like, is there anything more detailed than that? Look, I think, I think the, 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 the best and most direct way to approach this for an organization is to actually try it. I think, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So put leaders within the organization or managers or employees through the tools that are being vetted or considered and see to what degree they can discriminate between better-performing employees and worse-performing employees. And by the way, I think this is something that can be done and should be done with any methodology. It should be done even with the recruiter's own views or opinions. It should be done with interviews. It should be done. So, I mean, that's the best way to find out. And, you know, really what the field is lacking is opportunities to simultaneously try multiple vendors and multiple tools. But that would be the ideal way of doing it. And that's the way academic research is done in this area. You put 2,000 or 20,000 or 200,000 people through these different methods, interviews, structured, unstructured, different personality tests, intelligence tests, past performance data, etc. And you see taking all things into consideration, which are the ones that actually predict performance better. Okay, let's plug your book before the show's over. You've got a book coming out about leadership. What's it called? Yes, so it's called Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders and How to Fix It, and it's out on March the 1st with HBR, but people can find the link on Amazon and the book on Amazon already if they want to pre-order it. Okay, I'll why post is that. It, why is it that... Uh, in, why is it that... So why isn't the title, why isn't that so many incompetent people become leaders? Why are you just picking on men in there? That seems like a red herring to me. You know, because... Very, uh, very popular uh, and trendy, too. Uh, I mean, roughly 70% or 75% of leaders are male. So, you know, I, there's a strong effect there. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a side uh, or secondary variable. Come on, TJ. He, say, he said that more men display these... Uh, Characteristics men and women that attract are different. employers. You know, they're they're not humble. Men, men they're and women are different. You can't you can't compare them one to one. We're we're biologically um, different. You know, we think differently. I don't know. He it's, said it. I don't know. Is it bio? Is it a biological this humility thing? Is it biological or is it cultural or both? No. Tom, I, I think I think no. both both things exist. There are biological differences and there are cultural differences, and uh, they always interact. So it is true that biological differences between men and women exist, and it is also true because you can see that these things are somewhat cyclical and change from one place to another or from one culture to the other. That uh, the context and the environment plays a role as well. Okay, so it seems it's that, dangerous. Thomas, to... I, I agree with a lot of you said. It seems like a lot of the criticisms that you've leveled against men are equally valid against a woman. Yes, right? yes, women there are, but look for, but, uh, but, but, and can't you, but can't you see what the issue is? That the default reaction of society, critics, and everyone is to assume that because the majority of leaders are men, men have an advantage 
for leadership, no, and they have I'd more potential. When in fact, it's the other way out. around because the majority of leaders are competent. So that's what I'm trying to explain so people understand that there's a big difference between individual career success and actual talent for leadership. Okay, I got to do with my final ad. I don't know how I can build them. I'm left until the end of the hour. Hey, everybody. Hire Tool is the super duper sourcing tool. H I R E T U A L. And in fact, as I say every week, it doesn't matter even if I do their ad because everyone's given them all kinds of free advertising on all the recruiting groups on Facebook. People say, oh, what's the best sourcing tool for me? I'd say 90% of the people say Hire Tool. There's other good ones there, but Hire Tool appears to be the best and it's really good at giving you contact information as well if you want to check it out for free go to their website hiretool.com download their free chrome extension uh go on linkedin you won't get kicked off but it'll give you personal and uh professional uh emails and phone numbers you might get people's uh you know their own home numbers or their cell numbers sometimes uh and also, here's how you use it. I'll just be very brief. You go to HireTool.com. You don't have to understand Boolean strings and, and be able to create them yourself in normal, everyday English. You put in your job description. It creates the Boolean string. It creates the search string. It searches a wide range of uh, important websites for you, Facebook, LinkedIn, GitHub, you name it. They got it. It returns a list of potential candidates ranked from top to bottom, guesses their salaries, guesses which ones are going to be ready to leave. Okay? So go check it out. HireTool.com. Five minutes left, Tom. What should, what should we say? I've got to say, by, by saying women are, and men are actually different, that's very dangerous to say these days, isn't it? The only thing that's saving you from trouble is you're saying women are actually better than men. But if you, you, you know, somebody else will say, yeah, they're different, and they don't have the characteristics that are suited for leaders. Are there any people saying that? Um, probably. Okay, but no scientists, right? <laughs> you know, people are saying everything. Well, no, yes, and you know, I'm I, I'm not saying this to be more or less controversial. Uh, I'm I, I think I'm making a point that has not been sufficiently made before, and it's a data-driven point. That's all. And if people are interested in seeing the argument in more detail, then can re- they can read the book or the very short version, which is already published as an article in HBR. It's called "Why Do So Many Competent Men Become Leaders." So you know, yeah, they can see it. It's a great article. Jerry was implying. Though Jerry was implying that you picked the title for uh, political reasons, am I right about that, Jerry? Didn't you groan about something there? He's left. Look, already. I mean, it was it, the, the, it's the same title that, that we kept the title from 2012, and it was actually a pretty bold and out there for HBR, which has, I think, I believe, 70% of its readers are male, to pick that title uh-huh. and. You know, I think it would irritate more people if more men understood that they are part of the incompetent group that I'm describing. But I think it's natural for many of them to say, oh, yeah, uh, other men are incompetent. I am not. Last thing, what kind of questions do you ask people to see uh, if they're overconfident or not? Well, you always need to have some data as benchmark or baseline to evaluate how competent they actually are and then you ask them how good do you think you are and you relate this i think you know the easiest and simplest everyday example that i can think of to uh, illustrate this is think about an uber driver imagine that you ask an uber driver compared to other uber drivers how good are you how irrelevant is their answer it's super irrelevant because Uber can go to their database and see for all the drivers how many journeys they make a day, how much money they bring, how much profit they bring in, how many accidents they have, how they're rated by passengers, whether they're rated for having a clean car, good conversations, etc. And when you rate it a thousand times and when you've been working for enough time, how good or bad you think you are as a driver is irrelevant, but it would tell us if you're overconfident, underconfident, or actually capable of self-awareness. Okay, so returning to TJ's question, if you're, you're actually talking to somebody, how are you going to get that data? What, uh, what data are you going to look for in a manager, you know, that's, that's public or, yep. or and, that you can even then, ask them for? 
and this is a key issue if if they are external if they're going for a new job outside of the organizations it's problematic because there is not a habit of getting or accessing their past 360s which i think would be really important and indicative their past uh, teams engagement figures how engaged or disengaged they were and the kpis you know whether they actually drove good results or not but we should nonetheless try to do this and we should create the habit of actually demanding or at least collecting this data because that's your performance. That's your competence indicators. We're so far looking at limited data such as your CV, your qualifications, etc. cetera. Uh, it's impossible to tell whether somebody is overconfident or underconfident unless you know how competent they actually are. And that's what these data give you. Well, that's a bit of an I like interesting it. I'm going to ask for KPIs. You're so gonna, why, why not just simply focus on results? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, results, well, it's the same results, thing. Results, exactly. but you need to you need focus you need to have results. results, and and also you know past performance is very important. But I think the main value of uh, standardized assessments is that they also pick up potential. You know, performance for jobs you haven't done before. Why? Because you can focus on things such as EQ, people skills, intelligence, learning ability, humility, etc. Things that can be directly assessed with good assessments. Okay. And on that happy note, thanks everybody. Tom, thanks really bad for coming back. I'm very happy about it. Talk to you again. Bye-bye! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.